1: What are the Warriors and Cavaliers saying in the locker rooms? Has Golden State wrapped this thing up? Is this the best team of all time? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Uh, today, I'm pleased to bring on a friend of the, of the program, Anthony Slater, who is the Warriors beat writer for Mercury News and uh, is a guy who's on the ground, boots on the ground at every game, every uh, uh, series and everything, and was in there for every press conference last night. So, Anthony, uh, how are you feeling this morning?
0: A little tired, right? These 9 p.m. Eastern time tips are uh, a little rough, but I'm good. I mean, uh, I definitely had the energy through the game last night and a little late. I mean, uh, early next morning, it's tougher, but man, uh, those type of games give you plenty of adrenaline.
1: I can imagine. Uh, and so you're you're there, you're in the uh, the post game, you know, uh, press conferences. Was there anything that struck you when you were listening to you know the coaches and the players talk that just sort of like raised your eyebrows? Oh, I didn't even consider that, or give you some insight into how this game three unfolded.
0: Um, I mean, I guess the one thing that stood out in the, in the press conference isn't necessarily like schematic related. It's just, uh, LeBron finally in this series seemed a little bit defeated by the Warriors. And they've done this to every team in the playoffs, uh, you know, Blazers, Jazz, Spurs, and now, uh, Cavs where the, the, as the series like kind of moves on and it goes from 1-0 to 2-0 to 3-0, uh, you can just kind of sense the team getting more dejected in their comments and, Uh, The Cavs were more confident than any team they faced. I mean, you know, you heard them before game two talking about they're not going to slow the pace, they're not going to change the lineup, they just need to play better, things could have been differently. But finally, losing at home, losing like that, going down 3-0, LeBron kind of just started saying the Warriors have the most firepower he's ever played in in his career. And just some of his comments and, you know, even their other players, and, and Ty Lue, just seemed like, and, you know, and you can understand now they're down 3-0, but it's just finally they, they seem to have accepted that, uh, that that this is not going to go their way.
1: Right. Well, you know, let's walk through a little bit of that end because I'm getting ready to do a video on this and trying to just – you can help me coalesce my thoughts. Uh, it's a six-point lead with 3-0 to go. They go on a 5-0 run. They're at home. The referees – well, we could talk about that in a minute, but it just felt like, you know, there was a lot of things going in their favor. Uh an 11-0 run to end the game in the finals—I don't think I've ever seen that before, particularly from a from a visiting team. Um, what what did you sense going through there? What was going on that, that led to these to this crazy finish?
0: Uh, you know, I remember one of the early shot, shots. People remember the Durant seven-0 run because I mean it. You know, it's series changing, but Curry had a really f- kind of free, wide open. A lane that that the Cavs didn't defend well you know they're up six I believe at the time mm-hmm. uh, so I just think that was poorly defended and then um, and then it really just goes that Durant 7 run I mean it's it's a minute 15 left uh, Cavs are up four I mean usually teams close that out he you know he makes a nice play tough tough shot little floater to to get it to two but with 52 seconds left I mean I think this the shot that haunts the Cavs is uh, LeBron driving. I thought he made a good pass. You got Kyle Korver in the corner. Look, they gave a first-round pick for Kyle Korver. He's that's the corner three they got him for. Um, if he hits that corner three, and with 52 seconds left, they go five. That, to me, that's basically game over. But he misses. Durant gets the rebound, and seven seconds later, he just dribbles it up, pulls up for three, hits the three that puts the Warriors up one. That's a six-point swing in seven seconds. So. Um, that sequence, I think, just uh, kind of daggers the Cavs a little bit. Then they do have another chance. It's Kyrie Irving. They're only down one. Kyrie Irving's been incredible getting to the rim all night, 16-22 to 22 on two-point shots. Uh, but he was 0-6 on threes, and I think that's maybe where the fatigue sets in. I think Kyrie, to that point, played about 44 minutes, which is a lot more than the Warrior Stars, couldn't get by Klay Thompson in that moment, and then just settled for a step-back three, left it short, looked a little bit tired on it. Um, and then from there, it was basically game over.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, 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 you, you make it sound so simple <laughs> and, and how to follow that. But, man, like, I think in real time, it was just sort of like, what is going on? Now, did uh, did Durant talk about the pulling up for three in that situation, which was a little YOLO, right? A little yeah, bit like, it was. You know, no, yes. Uh, so what did he say about that shot? Did you hear it?
0: Yeah, um, you know, like – Sean Livingston said, you know, it took big balls. It was gutsy, whatever you want to say. Um, Steve Kerr said it was his moment, his time. So everyone around was saying, like, you know, we were fine with it. Durant, he's like, he he's in this moment right now where he's really trying to play everything coy. I mean, it's the biggest shot of his career. I mean, yeah. it really is. And he, But he just doesn't even want to entertain that. He's just like, you know, oh, uh, I just had the confidence. I was in rhythm. Uh, LeBron. LeBron said he didn't want to contest it too much because Durant falls forward on his jumper. So it actually was pretty open, although LeBron was kind of in the vicinity. Uh, but Durant didn't, you know, he got asked about it I think twice. He didn't really delve too much into it because he's just like not very talkative right now. I think I'm very interested to see when they win the title, just like his emotion after the game and maybe what he says. But uh, he didn't really get too much into the jumper. Other people did.
1: Right. I mean, it's, it's an amazing moment of his career where he's not, like, too young, where he's not going to savor it, and he's not too old where he's, you know, not the same player he once was. So this is, like, this amazing confluence of events. I think it's also why... Uh, people want to say this is the best team of all time because you have him doing this at his prime, you have uh, Steph Curry in his prime, and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I know you've covered the NBA for a while. I, you don't you don't go back as far as like you know the '95 '96 Bulls, but what do you feel as far as like where they rank uh, all time?
0: Well, you know, I, I don't. I, it's tough for me to compare, like you know, if they played each other, this or that, like a lot of people like to do. But yeah, um I think what you mentioned there is like the rarity of this team where there have been teams that oh, in the past that have had four all stars, you know, potentially even four Hall of Famers, but they are this team is all between twenty six and twenty nine as far as the, those four stars. Uh, and they're probably all the best that they've ever been. I mean, I don't know if you'd agree, but I think Curry, you know obviously his stats aren't what they were as an you know unanimous MVP last year but I think this is probably the best Steph Curry I think this is probably the best Kevin Durant I think it's the best Klay Thompson and the best Draymond Green where uh, other teams when you have a combination of stars even the Heat teams that had Bosh Wade and LeBron that wasn't the best Dwayne Wade it was probably the best Bosh and LeBron but um, it's just to have them all in their primes it's tough to do that in the NBA but just you know that storm of events which is curry uh you know getting that cheap deal years back because of the Mm -hmm. ankle injuries and uh clay thompson and draymond green signing at a time before the cap spike hits so their money's not that big and then the cap spike hits right before kevin durant who is an all-time type you know talent maybe one of the best scorers in history uh right before he hits free agency so to get all those four together at the same time in their prime plus very solid role players like they're very top-heavy as far as talent-wise, but I still think they're pretty deep. I mean, Iguodala, obviously, uh, the centers this season have at least been capable in the minutes they've had to play. Livingston's solid enough. Uh, they got they get decent minutes from a rookie like Patrick McCauley. They're pretty stacked as, as far as depth-wise. Plus, I mean, uh, their top four are just so explosive, and they just fit the era so well. That's probably the other thing, I mean. Uh, how basketball is played now. You may not want four other guys that fit threes and you know versatile defensively. Where Kevin Durant can basically guard all five. and played center in this uh, postseason. Obviously, what Draymond Green can do defensively. Uh, and then the two shooters who can also, you know, Clay Thompson's a really good defender and Steph Curry's capable enough defensively and the best shooter ever. So it's just, uh, I, I think the way they fit their era may be better than anyone's ever fit their
1: era. And you know what else fits their era better than anything else I've ever encountered? Our friends over at Blue Apron, a really great service that delivers all the ingredients you need to make a delicious gourmet meal. It was really cool to open the box and find all this fresh food clearly marked and really easy to follow directions. My daughter and I had the best time making shrimp and shiitake mushroom dumplings one night and seared chicken with squash and garlic rice the next. It was great that they included the tiny bottle of hoisin sauce with the exact amount you needed. The food itself is fantastic and I certainly impressed my wife with the seared salmon with glazed carrots and saffron yogurt sauce. Nothing takes more than 40 minutes to make, so fire up my podcast while you cook and get ready to impress your girlfriend, boyfriend, significant other, or family members who will be sure to kiss the cook after tasting a Blue Apron meal prepared by you. Get your first three meals completely free by going to blueapron.com slash coachnick to dive into a world of easy, fresh, gourmet meals that come right to your door. I know I'm in. Now you mentioned the centers. Uh, let's let's discuss this for a minute because I had tweeted out in the middle of the game that it, it almost felt like Zaza had some money down on the Cavs last night. He, yeah. he was that bad. What you know? He was give not us, good. Yeah, give us some insight into what's happening. Why uh, Steve Kerr insists on on playing him over Javale McGee, uh, and what what, what is the, the magic here for Zaza?
0: Uh, You know, he's been good keeping Tristan Thompson off the boards. I mean, I I think Tristan Thompson has 12 rebounds in three games and, like, eight total points in three games. So there are a few plays, if you go back to it last night, like he's really walling Thompson off. And, you know, he did it in the MLK game earlier in the year. Um, And, you know, they've been loyal to Zaza really all year in that starting spot. He's still only – I don't know what he played last night. Probably, like, you know, maybe 16 minutes tops. Mm-hmm. uh but that's all about all he plays all year it's, he's not a traditional you know starting center who's going to get 25 plus um JaVale, i mean they they only like javel in little spurts those little four or five minute spurts same with david west to start the second and fourth quarter they don't give any of those guys more than about 15 minutes to, to 20 minutes tops per game and then they're going to go small a lot and they you know they went small a lot last night i think what kind of uh, kind of screwed with their rotation a bit and made them have to play centers more than they wanted, is the fact that Draymond Green couldn't stay out of foul trouble. I mean, every time he um, would get back in the game, he, he'd get a, he'd pick up a big foul. You know, he got three in the first half, obviously four, I think, right at the start of the third quarter. But then he gets his fifth right at the start of the fourth quarter. So um, that, I think, kind of tweaked with their lineup and then the fact that they like really don't like playing JaVel McGee except for like two, like four-minute bursts per game.
1: Yeah, it's weird because, you know, what, what we keep seeing is, is the ability that JaVale has rolling to the rim, and then he can protect the rim. And I, and I know that he, he makes boneheaded plays. There's no question. And there are, there are games, especially in the regular season, where you just see, oh, my God, he's, he, it's, it's the bad JaVale tonight. But um, I feel like in the playoffs, right, he seems like he's been more engaged and focused in the playoffs and willing to make good plays. And it, to me, it just feels like if they just gave him a chance to play 20 minutes, he would learn, and he would he would improve, and he would give them so much more than what Zaza's giving him. I, I just it's kind of scratching my head. The kid, the guy's still nice, not even thirty yet.
0: Yeah, I'd give him a longer leash. I think if I was the Warriors, but at the same time, like he plays with like rare energy for a big man. It's really kind of like well, you know he his biggest skill maybe besides the fact that he can leap highs and he like he just sprints the floor at all times. He chases every rebound, and you know that's been a factor in these playoffs. He's kind of kept a lot of. Offensive rebound's alive, but um, he tires out. He has, like, asthma. I mean, you can see when he goes over to the scorer's table every time oh, right really? before he checks in. He, yeah, he takes a hit off the inhaler, and then he goes in and he just sprints around. I mean, like, it, sometimes he gets a little bit lost defensively or he gets overzealous, and, you know, LeBron will just pump fake him into the air and just draw a foul pretty easily. I think he's probably got about three or four N1s on, on JaVale in this series. Um, so, yes and no. I mean, maybe – to me, maybe they should come back with him at a at a time. But if you watch him, by by the end of about a four or five minute stint, he's just winded. I see. Um,
1: okay, that makes sense. Okay, well, yeah. okay, good, good to know. I don't I don't think I really appreciated that that was you know that was an issue, and that's very legitimate. Um, you know, I'm looking at the five man lineup data, just uh, glancing at it really quickly. I didn't think I realized this. the The starters, you know, was Zaza in there played in the most minutes, nine minutes. They were a net negative thirty six point one. Wow. Uh, in those nine minutes, which is crazy. Uh, probably the worst of, of, of that five of any game they played all year. You, you sub out Zaza with Andre Iguodala, they played that for seven minutes, almost the same amount of time, and that's a plus 93.4. So what do you think is going on? I mean, obviously going small is what they like to do, but what does that, what does that do to ignite this Warriors attack?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it always has, right? It's it's been known as the death lineup for two years when you put Iguodala in, you shift Draymond to center, and uh, it was so deadly last year when Harrison Barnes was uh, mm-hmm. really the three four man with Iguodala. Well, now this year, you obviously replace replace it with Kevin Durant, um, and it it honestly hasn't been as effective all season as they thought. I mean, it's still like its net rating was, you know, near 20 probably overall during the season but they just it didn't dominate like people were expecting it to but in the playoffs, they've used it a few times kind of as the trump card they've really kept it in their back pocket though because look they're you know they're 15-0 to this point in the playoffs uh, 12 of those 15 wins were by double digits so they've kind of just kept a regular season rotation not wanted to really unleash Draymond at center too much because without having to then you don't want to maybe log a ton of minutes and get them a ton of fatigue on that so uh, they've maybe been waiting for the moment where the last two games they played probably the most they've played a small all season and uh, you know it's worked it worked yesterday where the reason why those net ratings are so different is because the starters got killed at the start of the third quarter Mm -hmm. and then um, you know that lineup that you mentioned with Iguodala at center they closed the game on an 11-0 run I mean that that's probably the bulk of that big net rating it's just uh, they closed strong and that's the lineup that remember when they came together in the Hamptons during the July Fourth <laughs> uh, weekend last year. The, the, those are the five. You know, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, uh, Steph Curry, and Andre Iguodala all showed up. And, and in that meeting, I mean, it's it's always going to be those five when the season's on the line. And a little bit last night, the season wasn't necessarily on the line, but like you know, that win closes it out. Basically, it closes the series out, and it was those five doing it.
1: Now, a lot of people have made a big deal about, you know, Steph Curry, whether he was hurt last year or not, and I mean, I think you and I both uh, are uh, know enough that, you know, there was something off with the way he was moving, certainly when you compare it to this year, right? Like, it seems like it's night and day, the way he is darting around the court versus last year, right?
0: Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, you've seen it just with the way he's attacked big men, right, in this mm-hmm. series. Uh, Kevin Love, he got a few times on the uh, in game one, you know, it was almost cathartic after what happened in game seven, right? Yep. Just to to maybe show the Cavs early on, like, look, this is not who you got last year. He uh, got Tristan Thompson. I mean, everyone kind of remembers the play uh, where he spun LeBron around. Um, he's just it, it's burst at the rim. Um, it's it's his three pointers, obviously, on and it's his the inability of the Cavs to really target him defensively. I know they got LeBron isolated on him a couple times last night. It turned into a layup, and I think a, a block charge, you know, call that. I think they they call it a block. But yeah. other than that, they really haven't been able to, like, continually target Steph in this series. And uh, that's that's huge because if you can't target Steph, then you can't really target anyone in that lineup uh, that we're talking about because Iguodala, very plus defender, Clay Thompson plus defender, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, especially when Durant's engaged. He's been fantastic defensively in this series. So if, you know, Steph Curry is a net Positive defensively, then you—that's just like a, a premium, awesome defensive lineup. And uh, to me, that—that that and where you see him on the drive is where you can just see that his knee uh, is, and just his health overall. I mean, Steve Kerr keeps saying it. he's fresher, he's bigger, he's stronger. So uh, it's been a huge factor.
1: Sure. Now the other thing that's was interesting is was during that run in that third quarter, I believe it was third, where for some reason they had been doing such an excellent job of having him hedge on that, on when his man sets a ball screen for LeBron James. And then they go underneath the screen and they wouldn't have to switch. Did anybody ask or talk about that? Like, all of a sudden, in the middle of that third quarter, they, like, lost that, that uh, ability and then they, they had to switch and get Curry on him. Did they, you know, is there any insight into, like, how that fell apart for that brief moment that gave them, you know, that big run?
0: No, there was so much going on last night, and the fact I think that would have been more a topic if they lost, but just uh, with the way they won, you know, it was more like Durant and this and that. But um, to me, it seemed more like a, their focus just kind of waned for a little bit, especially in that third quarter. That's uh, to me probably more than I've seen in this series, and maybe in maybe since Spurs game one when they were really bad to start was like uh, where you just saw their focus just kind of you know, disappeared for a while. And, yeah, they were making defensive switches and uh, that they hadn't made and just, you know, just kind of making sloppy plays. So I don't think it was necessarily uh, schematically what they were trying to do. I just think finally the Cavs were able to get them in situations they didn't want to be in. Then they had to kind of regroup, figure out what was going on, and they eventually did.
1: So the, the, the great point. And, you know, the, the, here's the thing I think is interesting is, is while Curry is clearly playing better and moving better and, and healthier – I, I, you could almost argue that it's Andre Iguodala who is clearly healthier as well. Like the, that, his movement this year in the in the finals, I think is even more dramatic than it was for between, when Steph compared to last year. Would you say that's true?
0: Yeah, uh, and I it, it was so Iguodala's season's interesting. You know, it it wasn't great up until March about, but Kevin Durant's knee uh, goes out on I think it was like February twenty eighth, basically right before March first. And Durant misses six weeks. Iguodala suddenly has to play a lot bigger role starting in March. And uh, he just turned it on in March. And almost like he look, he's about to be a, a free agent. And uh, he probably got himself, if he wants it, I'm not sure he'll take it, but he put, got himself a lot of money in that month, I think, still showing that, look, he can score nearly 20 points a game at times. And I think in that month he probably had three or four games of 20 points, which is very rare for him these days. Um, he dunked 24 times in the month, which is more than all the other months combined. It was like, wow, the knee's looking really good. Um, he was just sprinting out on fast breaks, just you know, terrorizing people defensively. And then Durant comes back, and he just sinks into the background. And even during um, during the first, second, and third round, I mean, he, he three of 27 from three. I think he missed his first 17 threes of the playoffs. Wasn't that effective defensively. Um, and it, it, you just worried going into the finals like oh is he conserving it or even in the west finals like he missed the game because he said his knee was sore and he just wasn't that effective so you're worried coming into the series but then yeah I agree with you game one you could tell right away and I kind of knew you were going to be able to tell right away with Iguodala uh he came out and I think he had a dunk within 30 seconds of his first entry in game one uh, then another one-handed dunk a couple minutes later, which when he's dunking, you you know his knee's feeling good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been going for strips a lot more. He really sealed the game last night by stripping LeBron in the corner uh, when the Cavs drew up that play down three. So when his, his hands are active and, and, you know, he's shooting threes decently, which means he's getting his legs under him and he's dunked a few times, uh, that is the fifth wheel of this just nightmare lineup.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that was the bigger, the bigger thing, was that how energetic he had he was able to take on LeBron. But let me ask you this, because I want your opinion, I also want to know if anyone talked about it after the game. Um, The strip, as a coach, um, especially on the road and with the way the referees were calling this game, I can't believe that he would have had a chutzpah to try and do a strip that would have been a game-tying three. Although, I will say, I would have loved to have seen LeBron, under the most pressure of his career, have to make three free throws to keep their team in the game. But... I can't believe that, like you know, and he got away with it, and it was, I guess, it was clean, but still. Uh, What are your thoughts? What were they saying about that, and how risky do they feel that really was?
0: Yeah, Igudala was saying. First of all, he said he was mad at himself for allowing LeBron to get that open uh, off that inbound, and then he kind of said, but beyond that, it wasn't like a, you know, he was kind of trying to explain because that was a question. Was like, you know, how can why'd you do that? That was pretty risky. That's a gamble. Like, what made you do that? He's like. You know, look, you don't have as much time as everyone who can sit here and, and analyze it after the game. You don't have that much time in the moment to make a yes or no decision. It's just, uh, it's just instinct at that point. Iguodala it has made a career out of having incredibly quick hands on that exact type of play, um, and it, not only just like quick hands, but accurate hands. And uh, I'm not sure he should have done it because, like you said, if that if he just slaps on the wrist, or if the ref just thinks he slapped on the wrist, right. even if he didn't. Uh, that's three free throws for LeBron, uh, and you'd probably rather him have a contested fadeaway corner three. But with all the accurate hands, just like Kevin Durant hits the accurate three uh, for, from 28 foot out, even though Kyle Korver, who's probably, a bit, you know, is a better percentage-wise three-point shooter, misses the open corner three. Uh, it's just the Warriors making the plays at the right times. They get the steal. They get the three. Uh, they close the game.
1: Yeah, and it was you know it's a lot of confluence of events. Like you know, if the ball was inbound on the other side and they do that play, then LeBron is now catching it on the right side of his body, where it's an easier shot. Whereas on the left side, he had to bring it across, which is opening it up for Iggy to do that. Uh, and I'm watching because you know the left arm comes down as well. It's weird. Both arms come down. One, the right arm gets the the strip, the left arm misses. But again, it's like. A ref could easily just say like, "Oh, he must have hit him on the shooting arm and you know three free throws." It's it's uh, crazy. Now, did they talk about anybody talk about like were they, they going to foul if they had a chance to put him give him only give him two free throws up three?
0: Yeah, he said uh, he said it was possible, but it would have been too risky there. Like, right. You have to foul on the catch if it's going away from the hoop a little bit, but uh, you can't just grab him there because you know LeBron would have probably he he did kind of very quickly get up into a shooting motion so uh if you wrap up right there it's three i mean they're, they're gonna give them three free throws so i think it was it was talked about but um the way the play kind of formulated you could sure
1: uh fair enough yeah i mean you know listen these are the plays that the, we will remember and they go down as you know you make them you make them and that's why they get celebrated um the series is over right and we are we all is everyone sort of feel that way
0: uh yeah, unless um, you know, I think the Warriors learned their lesson last year to, to not think it themselves. Basically, I mean, they thought it was far over last year at three one. Uh, three zero is not that different from three one. But I mean, look, this team has won now. What? I, let me do the math here. So fifteen in the playoffs plus I think they won what thirteen of their last fourteen or something like that, or maybe even more than that, like sixteen of their last seventeen. They've won like, about thirty one to thirty two. So yeah. Um, And with historic net rating, 12 of their playoff wins are by double digits. Like, that team is not going to lose four in a row. So uh, is it over Friday? I probably predict it is. I think I've seen it in the last three series where in Portland, the Warriors were down, I think, something like 15 in the second half in round one in game three. And then they came back and won, and then game four they just blew them out. I think it was 45-22 in the first quarter, and they just you know, kind of cruised to a win because the team was just, you know, the Blazers were dejected down 3-0. Um, same thing in the Jazz series. Jazz actually only lead in that series came in game three. They played well in game three. Warriors come back, beat them. That Salt Lake City crowd is just a lot less energy. That team has a lot less energy in game four. Warriors blow them out in game four. Same thing in San Antonio. San Antonio leads a lot of game three. Ends up losing to the Warriors, doesn't lead it all really in Game Four. I mean, Warriors just kind of blow them out. So that is what I'd expect. Although you know, LeBron James probably has a bit more pride where he may really just try to get that team up and say, hey, don't they're gonna beat us, but don't get swept on our home floor. At least bring it back to Oakland. But um, if the Warriors get up early, I, I almost think the Cavs might lay down.
1: Yeah, it looks like. I mean, I thought that the, the backbreaker was the backdoor cut in Game Three that KD gets a dunk on LeBron. And you can see LeBron react there. That almost felt like, or either that play or in the same, in game three as well, when he blocks Kevin Love's jump hook and then he comes down and gets an and one after blowing by LeBron. Like those are the, those are the two plays in my mind that felt like that was when they, they just ended the series. And, you know, even just mentally the Cavaliers weren't going to do it. Um, I have two questions for you, but I'm not going to do what some people do in this press conference, which is a mistake, which is ask both of them at the same time. Um, because then they never get the answer to one of them. So, one at a time. Uh, finals MVP. Let me just throw out the numbers here, because I'm looking at them right now. Steph Curry, 28.7 points, 9 assists, and like basically 10 rebounds a game, right? Like and we could we talk about his rebounding, which has been fantastic. Now you have, and then talking about 44.8% from the field, 48% from three, all right, and then uh, let's see, uh, and then the three point seven turnovers. Now you have Kevin Durant, thirty four points per game, six assists, ten rebounds, uh, two blocks. Uh, you know, oh, I didn't mention the two two steals a game for Curry, uh, and then he's shooting out of his mind, fifty six percent from the field, fifty two percent from three. Who gets the Finals MVP?
0: I think at this point it's pretty clear it's Durant uh, through three games just because uh, he's had not only he's had the moments but just think about the games he's had so he goes. Th- Uh, Game one, 38 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, zero turnovers when LeBron had eight turnovers in that game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the story coming out of game one was like, wow, Kevin Durant really outplayed LeBron. Remember, he had those six open dunks that kind of defined that game in the Mm -hmm. first half. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you go to game two, and look, as great as Curry has been, and and you mentioned it, he's been incredible. The 13 rebounds he had last night led the team. I mean, he he had more rebounds last night than Tristan Thompson has in the series. uh, (laughs) Wow. So, Durant defines game one basically Durant kind of defines game two too because he has the he has a stat line that nobody's ever done before Which was 33 points 13 rebounds six assists five blocks and three steals He had probably the defining play which you already mentioned where they get him in the post warriors are basically like the game almost feels over But they need one more play to kind of put it over the top well Cavs get him isolated in the post with Kevin love and they try a post-up move, he just basically eats it, eats the hook shot, like palms it, blocks it, brings it up the court after talking – uh, smack to get Kevin Love, and then and then hits the uh, little fadeaway <laughs> after he blows by LeBron to kind of seal that game. So you're coming out of game two, being talking about Durant's all-around performance, which includes his defense. And then game three, I I thought overall Curry was probably had a better game than Durant last night. But everyone remembers the 7-0 run that Durant won the game with. I mean, he hits the game's biggest shot. He scores, you know. From the 115 mark to the 12-second mark, which is 63 seconds, he outscores the Cavs 7-0, turns the four-point deficit into a three-point lead. Um, So he basically defines all three of these games. I think unless it's just a monster Curry game four performance, a 50-point type uh, game and, like, a game-winner type situation, I think it's probably going to be Durant, which, you know, it's tough luck for Curry. I know he talks about not caring about individual awards, but um, to have two regular season – uh, you know, finals trophies to now he'll pro- have two titles, uh, but to still not have a finals MVP is kind of interesting.
1: It is. It is interesting but without question. Now let's take a step back then because the second question, which is connected to this, is who is the better player? Because a lot of the argument could very well be that, that the reason why Durant is getting so open in so much space is because of what Curry is doing. And that, and I would almost say that their offense, when, when Curry goes out, just kind of dies a little bit, whereas you know, even when if, if KD is in, it, it doesn't quite have that same flow. So the question then is, yeah, who is the better player? Now let's just let's keep it limited to the offense. I think right now because I, I almost feel like Durant gets the nod, even though you know how I am about decurry 's defense. But Durant just simply for the intangibles of being seven feet tall and a seven-five wingspan, whatever he has, he simply can just be a better defender because of the way he was born. But um what what do you think? Who ends up being the better player when we back up a little bit?
0: I mean, this version and this finals version of Kevin Durant, I think, is a better player because of uh, just you know the seven foot ability yeah. to basically. Shoot. I mean, we said it; he's shooting over 50 percent from three in the series uh, from an unblockable point. you yeah. know when he where he releases the jumper and uh the way he's just like a nightmare in transition and you saw it in game one i mean it was very much curry's gravity and and clay thompson's too on that shooting where uh you know kevin can kind of just rumble to the rim but you know he's just he's such a terror um and then he you know he's passing well too and uh i i think this season Curry, and a lot of times Curry's more important to the Warriors' offense because of that gravity. His plus-minus is a lot better than Durant's. His plus-minus is a lot better than anyone in the league by, like, a wide margin, really, all season and in the playoffs. Um, So a lot of times I do think Curry is more important to the Warriors, but I just think if you just pin them up in this final series, there's a reason Durant's going to win the finals MVP. It's just because of that just monster impact from that size that he has and... Uh, I know you didn't want to, like, bring defense into it, but just what Durant did in game two uh, with, you know, five blocks, three steals. Like, Steph Curry has been capable defensively, as we talked about, but Kevin Durant changed the game defensively. Um, So the ability to do that, I think, probably puts him over the top. But, look, I mean, they're both unbelievable to me. Although Kyrie was good last night, I think Kyrie has been exposed as a clear tier below the other three stars in the series where it's like that to me is almost a difference. Cavaliers have one just all-time type talent, and LeBron James obviously maybe the best player ever, uh, but the Warriors have two. Not best player ever, but you know they have two probably top 20, top 30 type talents in NBA history, whereas Kyrie, solid player, but all-star and like probably fringe Hall of Famer, right?
1: Right, that's true. Well, you know, I, that's why I think this doesn't really damage LeBron's legacy per se, just because I think we all expected the Warriors to win. Uh, it would have helped; it could have helped his legacy if the Cavaliers overcame this and won it. But I don't know if it damages it that much. Do you feel? Do you agree with that?
0: No, I mean, how could it? He's been, he's just so good. Uh, I know the eight turnovers in Game One are kind of like a. A rough patch, but look—he was the Cavs' best player in Game One by far. He's their best player in Game Two by far. I thought he's their best player last night by far. I know Kyrie had good numbers, but I didn't think Kyrie was very good defensively. Uh, LeBron has—you know—he's—it's—it's it's been tough for him in this series. He's kind of tapered off a bit in all the second halves just because he has to spend so much energy and he hasn't guarded uh, Durant as good as, you know, the Cavs would probably like him to. I think Durant has like really good numbers against him uh, individually in the series, but he just has to do so much and uh, I just but he's willed them into these games with, like, when he just gets the, the rebound and just bulldozes into the lane, I think he was 10-12 last night, he was something like 10-12 in the first half in, in game two uh, where he just drives and you know, he makes Andre with all a a six foot seven, you know, pretty muscular guy look like he's, you know, me out there basically trying to guard a fast <laughs> break when he just uh, rumbles through it and dunks on him. So uh, I plus he's hitting threes. I mean, look if you criticize LeBron James after this series, I mean, I just, like, you don't really know basketball, right?
1: Right. I mean, yeah, Well, here's the, I mean, it's right. And as we wrap this up, I'll just, uh, I'll throw this out there that uh, he kind of disappeared down the stretch a little bit. I feel like that's when they needed him. And he, you know, he made the pass to Korver, but in between sort of that and like the three and a half minute, four minute mark, I just, I got to go through the footage again to really study it, but it just feels like, you know, he kind of just didn't have a presence there. And, you know, quite honestly, it was the same in Game 7. Like, without Kyrie, with his fireworks last year, like, they lose the Game 7. And, you know, LeBron was probably going to get a lot of crap because he just disappeared. I don't you know if you remember like, the numbers, but it was like – it wasn't great. It wasn't good at all, in fact, uh, down the stretch. So, yeah.
0: yeah. He's human, though. I mean, he's yeah. human and and all of that energy that he has to expend to keep them in the game and, to, and at times guard Durant, like – it wears on him so he's 32 years old too and this is his seventh straight finals I don't even I can't even I don't know how many minutes he's logged but it's just an outrageous amount so uh he's not just you know immortal and I think that's the difference but like I, I don't know how you can watch what he's battling especially this Warriors team and just be like look this is an incredible athletic feat even if at times down the stretch he looks tired
1: for sure, for sure. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough for coming on and giving us all this great insight. Uh, you know, that was uh, it's an incredible, uh, you know, this game, an incredible series so far, just to watch this team um, do what they're doing at an unprecedented level. So, uh, Anthony, uh, again, uh, thanks for coming on the show, and we will have to try and, you know, catch up with you, I guess, um, you know, over the summer when we're talking about, you know, creation stuff and whatever.
0: Yeah, it should be good. appreciate you having me.
1: You got it. And then, you know, as always, you're the friend friend of the breakdown. I'm going to try to coin that phrase, friend of the breakdown. And uh, anyway, either way, thanks for coming on the show. And don't forget, sports fans, at b Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Anthony? I'm in.